0: Welcome to the Minimalist Vegan Podcast, a place where we share what it means to live with less stuff and more compassion. Hello, my name is Michael and I'm joined by my wife, Marsha. Hello. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about buying secondhand versus getting things brand new and the pros and cons in both and how it relates particularly to minimalism, sustainability, ethical shopping, even a little bit of veganism in there. So... Uh, we've got lots of notes prepared for this conversation and I just wanted to talk about how we're going to structure this episode uh, because it's going to be a little bit different. It's not a full-blown debate, but we're going to have Marsha representing the secondhand
1: slash thrifting
0: thrifting sort of movement and I'm going to be making points for why you might want to consider buying things new. And... uh, I expect it's going to get a bit heated at times and it's going to be a bit passionate. But please keep in mind that just because we're representing these sides doesn't necessarily mean that, um, like for example, that I don't believe in buying secondhand things or Marsha doesn't believe in buying new things. But we, we just wanted to bring some different perspectives and we thought it would be easier to have the conversation flow in this way. And it's a, it's a bit of fun for us because it changes up the format for us as well. So, are you ready?
1: Yes, I'm ready.
0: Okay, ding, ding, ding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's get in the ring. <laughs> um,
0: so, yeah, let's do it. Well, why, why don't you kick off with, you know, your argument for buying things used in secondhand?
1: Yeah. So, I guess one of my first points is to be able to extend the lifespan and the life cycle of a product, which is actually something that I've written a whole blog post about before. And for me, that's kind of a bit of a no-brainer in terms of having a product and, you know, if someone doesn't want it or if they have no longer use for it, that they can on-sell it or donate it to a place where it can be sold and reused again. Sometimes people have a misconception that because it's second-hand that it's poor quality. That, to me, is further from the truth, especially in 2021 where things are made that don't last as long. The only thing with the with the life cycle of a product is that only about twenty to forty five percent actually gets sold. Um, and then there's multiple different so, ways that, that gets distributed. So just on
0: that point, right? So we're we're talking about what we'd call a conventional thrifting shop or secondhand shop in Australia. We call it an op shop. I'm not sure why we call it an op shop. I've got to look that up. But we're talking about these majority non-profit organizations, some of them are for-profit as well, um, where their job is to sort of take in donations and resell them, mm. right?
1: Look through things that, you know, sometimes people donate items that aren't actually fit for sale. Yes. Um, so, they get distributed accordingly as well. Right. So, when you donate something to a second-hand store...
0: So, this is like Goodwill or Salvation Army and the the likes, yep.
1: Yeah. You will have a few different channels of distribution. So, things that get put onto the floor and get sold, things that get put onto the floor and not sold, and those things that get put onto the floor and aren't sold or are not fit for sale, they'll either get sent to developing countries, they'll get turned into rags, so specifically talking about clothing, Or they will uh, get shredded and turned into stuffing for soft furnishings and things of that nature and unfortunately some things still do go to landfill but going through that process actually tries to mitigate as much as possible in an ideal world that things do end up in landfill So you are trying your best to extend the life cycle of a product when you donate to places like that. Now, obviously, there's opportunities to sell things yourself, which I feel that a lot more people are doing um, if they feel like the item is of some value rather than donating it as well. So and a lot of time you do have a much better chance of actually selling that product. So in this particular point, the life cycle of a product is extended with secondhand purchasing.
0: Yeah. And we're talking about, obviously, that's a good point because we're we're now talking about uh, we're reducing the amount of things that are going to landfill. So we're talking about this is way more environmentally friendly. Um, I think it's interesting, though, when you look at some of these, particularly non-profits, these really big organizations that are sort of running these retail outlets of the secondhand shops. If you dig around, a lot of them would actually publish an annual report for your region, which you can just find online by typing in sort of like Salvation Army annual report and the year, and you'll find a PDF of some of the initiatives that they're uh, they're undertaking. And... Uh, I think while, while a lot of the initiatives are great and very altruistic and, and giving back to the community, I think that there's some really fantastic things. The reporting can be quite vague at times, you know, in terms of trying to quantify the impact of particularly um, donations, for example, and reselling donations. Um, but I found that on the Salvation Army's annual report 2020, the Australian one anyway, they claimed that 30 million items were diverted from landfill which is a huge number. The only thing is it didn't really stipulate for what period. Mm -hmm. So it would be great to understand, you know, sort of if this was an annual figure or since inception or whatever it is. But regardless, you can can definitely see that some positive things have been made towards the environment. Mm -hmm. But just because... Um, you are donating to a non-profit or secondhand for a for-profit organisation doesn't necessarily mean that maybe the outcome for the environment is good as what we think. So I just wanted to make that point because it can be a bit murky and unclear in terms of what that impact is from an Mm -hmm. environmental standpoint. But Mm -hmm. um, that was a little side point. It wasn't my main point. But I, I suppose for me, a huge benefit of buying new would be to have the opportunity to find exactly what you want or need in terms of the product. So I think buying secondhand is fantastic, but quite often it requires you to be very opportunistic or it requires a bit of time involved to find what you want or for wait, to wait for it to become available, either in a thrifting environment or a reseller environment, as you said before, somebody just on-selling what they have On Facebook marketplace or whatever platform that they're using so I think if you're short on time and you just need to get exactly what you want it's a lot easier to research what you need and buy new because it's generally going to be likely more readily available and more varieties of a product are going to be available as well we're talking about different colors of garments or technology or cars or fittings or customizations the ability to tailor things Um, at checkout to your needs as well. So I think that convenience um, is really good, particularly if you don't want to be stuck in a shopping mindset for too long and you just want to sort of get it over and done with very efficiently so you don't have to think about what you need to buy.
1: I mean, I do understand and get what you're saying, but I think that can also, it's still that mindset of like, I need what I need. And I want it exactly like I want it rather than be willing to make some compromises Mm. to help mitigate certain things being sent to landfill. So, for instance, a lot of the time, if you look hard enough and that this is your point, you will find what you need secondhand because there are so many more marketplaces. And the more people that actually have that mindset, the more things will be available as well. So, I think that this is where having to buy something brand new and sometimes what you're looking for, you might not be able to find brand new because it's not something that's being made anymore. That's true. Or, you know, it's not really in style, therefore buying it brand new, you know, the latest fashions might not have that particular thing that you're looking for. So, uh, brand new isn't always the better option in that sense. I
0: mean, I would say that new versions of things, it's arguable and you would expect it to have better features um, and it's improved upon previous versions of whatever it is. So, the latest model of whatever it is you're trying to buy or whatever it is should, in theory, be better quality. However, we both know that's not always not the necessarily. case. Not always the case, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are previous models or previous generations that's still outperform something that's new. So yeah. that's that's definitely something to consider.
1: I mean, for me, this is my not my next, next point, but I will actually make this point now because you you brought it up, is the fact that some a lot of the time things these days are made faster and cheaper. Sure. And break much easier. So for instance, clothing isn't as well-made as it was 50 years ago. The quality is just not there. They are putting clothing out much faster. There's much more seasonality. There's not just four different seasons to the year. Um, and furniture is another thing. I would rather buy something secondhand that's solid than spend five to six times more buying something brand new to get close to that quality.
0: Well, look, I think it's another gray area because i understand that yeah production cycles have become a lot more uh quicker and maybe rushed we see this in the property market even like oh, yeah. you know Houses we see builders up in 6 months that's it they're yeah. just rushing properties up and then um within a year there's there's leaky bathrooms oh, right. yeah. and all this stuff going on so you can see that there's there's compromised quality but you know a shout out to all those makers and producers out there that are creating now today yeah. built trying to create things that last yeah. and there's a lot of whether it's in in fashion or homewares etc there are some really great brands out there who are trying to create quality to yeah. last today mm. um so but we how, can't
1: at what cost though
0: now but but on and this is my my next point and i know where you're going with this but i think that you know we've also written an article talking about you know why it's important to even spend more money as a minimalist vegan there's someone who is an ethical shopper sometimes it's important to actually go out and and with your wallet support some of these great brands like sure we can turn to the toxic producers in each industry and use them as an example of why you should be avoiding that segment but meanwhile there's a lot of great companies doing great things and the only way for them to thrive and start to shift the mindset of a marketplace and trend setting is for us to support them, to prove their concept is something worth doing. Mm. And I think that buying new gives us that opportunity to vote with our dollar and play a role in our activism, whether it's for fair trade, sustainability, of of course, cruelty free. Um, You're going to have an opportunity to support these brands by buying brand new as well. So... I think that's something to consider.
1: It is, but that's you speaking in a very idealistic world. That's probably not something that a lot of the population can afford to do. Sure, sure. So, when you think about it from that perspective, yes, it's nice to treat yourself once in a while, but from practical reasons... Shopping secondhand will always be more affordable and more accessible to many more people in this world. So, I mean, I agree with your point because I support that and I try and support as many small businesses as I possibly can. But at the same time, when, you know, for instance, if you are buying clothes for your babies or your children, toddlers, you go through so much clothes during that growth period, Mm. especially in the early couple of years of of the child being born, that justifying buying something brand new for them to grow out of it two or three weeks later is just like, it's not practical. Yeah. And if you're trying at the same time then to support ethical brands, as much as I love that idea, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. So, buying secondhand clothing or getting them passed down from your family, I think, is a really great way of using those clothing that would otherwise who knows what would people do with it you know they can so that particular phase in people's lives i think is a really great way to support second hand because it is something that comes in and out very quickly in people's lives that's
0: a great example and i suppose that there are um beyond just those people there are people who financially may not have a choice. Yes. And, um, you know, buying secondhand and the price point of used items is something, is, are the only things that fit their budget. Mm. So I totally can acknowledge that. I think if we were to talk about price being a benefit of thrifting, I think a counter argument to that would be that such low price points for those, for those, for <laughs> those, Um, with perhaps a bigger budget than what is in front of them um, may be tempted to overconsume as a result of that affordability. So just because something is cheap or more affordable could signal to us that we could, one, buy things that we may not necessarily need or that we weren't looking for, that weren't on our wish list. And we'll refer to plenty of episodes we've talked about before in the show notes regarding overcoming the power of sales, and, you know, slow purchasing versus fast purchasing and anything else we can find um, over at TheMinimalistVegan.com slash 058. But I think that seeing opportunities because they're cheap, buying more than what we need because they're affordable. Like, okay, let's say that you need a new jacket. Um, brand new would be $90. You go to the thrift store, you find your jacket at 15 $15. But then you buy three two other jackets because they're the same price, or you buy more things that you didn't intend to buy as well, just because you can, mm. right? And it's still cheaper than buying one item. So the maths of of it work out to to be economically favorable. However, it's just a recipe for overconsumption. Whether we're getting things for free, yeah, or we're buying things cheap it's still with minimalism 101 is like well do we actually need these things are they essential but we're Mm -hmm. tempted to buy them anyway and i think on top of that let's talk get away from thrift stores and talk about resellers let's talk about um ebay facebook marketplace like all these um even instagram and social media right there's exclusive items so things that become available temporarily And then the fear of missing out kicks in because you're competing with everybody else who may or may not buy this thing that you may or may not be interested in can be the tipping point for you to buy something, again, that you don't necessarily need because, you know, it's time bound. You know that it's not going to be available for too long because it's like, oh my God, can you believe this quality item is at this price point? Someone else is going to buy it if I don't, Hmm. right? And then meanwhile... I know some people, this is not necessarily for everybody, but you can get into this constant cycle of consumerism because you're plugged into these notifications, you're plugged into these social media accounts that are constantly popping up with opportunities that are affordable to the point that you made and you're tempted to just buy them because you may miss out, because you may use it later, right? And this goes against the principles, I feel, of minimalism and being intentional about your purchases. So that's how I'd come back to that.
1: Yeah, so I have two points here, right? Okay, sure. So the first one is I'll now sort of oppose what you're talking about in that sense to say that a lot of the time when you are buying secondhand you are finding things that you can't actually find brand new okay. and that they are one-off pieces and that actually helps you create your own style. It helps you craft something that doesn't necessarily mean that you are tied to what is currently in stores. Mm, okay. And again, you will most likely find it at a much better price. You do end up, for instance, if, if someone's house was decked out with brand new gear, brand new furniture and everything, and someone's house was decked out with uh, vintage secondhand furnishings. Nine out of ten times, I feel that the person that bought things secondhand would a have spent less money, and b would be prouder of those unique pieces that they managed to to get and to find a new home for, rather than again it either going to landfill or just sitting there creating waste in people's houses. Now, back to the point of what you said in terms of um, the mentality. This episode, we're actually specifically talking about the difference between buying brand new and buying secondhand. We're not actually talking about the mentality of people that overshop. Sure. So, in that instance, I think it's fair to say that we are using the same type of person that has the minimalist mentality to be able to Shop something secondhand or shop something brand new. So they're not going to be over consuming. So, for instance, if one of us went into a secondhand store, we're not going to be buying three jackets rather than one. We're just going to be buying what we need. And I understand your point in saying that there is more of a chance of that happening. There's a
0: temptation, even as the minimalist, there is, right? There even-
1: is. But I think if you actually look at it from the point of view of just buying what you need, Hmm. That that mitigates that point. Yep. And so also when you are buying brand new, things are moving so far from um from quality and fast fashion has become such a strong industry in the fashion market that you're most likely going to find a brand new product that is close to a similar price to that $15 jacket that you bought secondhand. You might be spending, let's say, $30 on the jacket brand new that's in the fast fashion store and $15 on Uh, a jacket. But to use your point, are we
0: comparing the same shopper? Are we comparing a shopper that values quality and is not necessarily someone who buys into fast fashion brand new? No, ver- I'm just you got, saying again, you affordability. Got to compare the same
1: Yeah, but I'm talking about affordability. But again,
0: like yourself. So, if you were to buy a jacket, you'll be seeking quality, whether it was secondhand on you. Yes, so that's but a if comparison. I'm looking at Therefore, brand price, new, yeah.
1: I won't be able to afford that $90 jacket. I'd be able to afford the $15 jacket. Sure. So, if you're looking at it from that perspective, the $15 jacket is going to be the one that I would buy yeah over the $90 jacket
0: yeah okay let's let's talk about a couple points from from you now that I've got to come back with so <laughs> i think the you mentioned vintage and a sense of pride and personalization when buying second hand and i think that's certainly certainly apparent in what i've seen in terms of culturally i think a lot of i've seen a lot of people who take pride and see it as a skill as being able to find quality items that might be a little bit damaged, even, and have the ability to sort of fix them up and make them more valuable to themselves or to sell again. And uh, and then we talk about vintage items. Some of these things are are quite premium, even. Actually, mm. you know, it, it's like it's a different market to even maybe what we're discussing. It's it's like because it's no longer about being affordable; it's about something being um, rare you know, and hard to find and driving the price up. So, that will probably cause a bit of, um, you know, from the price argument, I think there's a bit of a contradiction there. But I think on top of that, um, there are some some genuine health um, considerations that we need to talk about when it comes to vintage. So, the Product Safety Commission in the US, after doing an audit for a whole bunch of different, Thrift stores and secondhand shops found that 69% of those stores had at least one hazardous item. So, what that means is that there was a faulty product that could cause harm to an individual. So, it could be like a um, uh, what? What do babies sleep in? A bassinet. Mm-hmm. Um, they found some faulty bassinets and and even some hair dryers um, with faulty cords. Electrical cords, things like that. So even though that all of these organizations have strict criteria they need to meet from a hazard standpoint, um, they still slip through the cracks all the time. That's hmm. proven 69%. And on top of that, mm-hmm. when it comes to vintage items...
1: Sorry, before you move on to your yeah. next point, I want to say something on sure. that point. Okay. In a brand new store, you will most likely also have products that... Uh, Bound to at one point or another have a recall. So sometimes things do slip through the cracks, but the percentage of those items is very, very small. And the ironic thing is, the ironic
0: thing is, a lot of those products that get recalled, where do they go? They end up quite often in these secondhand situations.
1: No, they end up getting sent back to the Yes, they
0: go to the manufacturer at times, but yeah. these guys found out a lot of the what the hazardous items were actually recalled products as well. But I think it's more closely monitored, more strictly monitored. Um I can't say this for sure, but in a uh, in a shop that sells new goods than a shop that sells used goods.
1: Well, Cuz that there's consumer laws to, you know, to kind of protect... Exactly, which brings customers. me to another point, which
0: I'll get to later, but I've I mean, yeah. I've got these points, you know, in my pocket. But I want to come back to this vintage thing because, um, you know, because of how long these items have been around or the location in which they are in the shop and a variety of factors, um, researchers also found that there's a lot of lead. They're finding a lot of lead in these vintage items. <laughs> why, why are you smiling at me? <laughs> um <laughs> In fact, sometimes the lead the lead composition is seven hundred times more than the recommended maximum, mm-hmm. um, which is really really concerning from a health standpoint. When so it's all about, of
1: the sugary sweets that people buy in the shops, but you don't see any warnings <laughs> against that.
0: Still, it is it is a,
1: a no. We're, that we're comparing point, that point. I understand yeah. because once you know when we were doing our research, and I came across that. It actually did raise my concern about some of the props that I've purchased for my food photography to kind of make sure that that they are safe to, to use. So I'm not sure how I'm going to go about that if anyone out there knows a way to actually get those items tested to make sure that they're safe for us to, mm. to use even as props because um, we hate food wastage and we normally you know, do eat food that has been used in our food photography. Mm. So, please let me know. But that is something that was brought to my attention that, like I knew to a, an extent, but I wasn't aware that there were a lot of different products that are still out there. And again, when you're buying something vintage, you don't know if someone's going to use that mm. or they're just going to have it there as a display, you know. Yep. So, that's where I think sometimes people... Um, need to just be a bit more educated. Mm. Yeah. So one thing that I missed to say before when we were talking about the quality of products being better secondhand at times, you might actually find something better than you expected. So sometimes people, um, you know, they might not value a product as much as it's actually worth and then sell it just to move it on. Mm. And I find that especially true when it comes to people that have passed on and then the family just wants to, to sell or, or donate a lot of their things um, just to declutter a house or a space. And they don't see that there is a lot of value in certain products. Yep. So you might be able to purchase something at a much lower cost that has a much higher value yeah and you can sometimes also pick up brand new products at the fraction of a price as you would in the shops so unwanted gifts so that's something that you know post christmas or birthdays that people go oh i don't really want this i'm just gonna sell it just to pass it on to somebody else that can actually find some use out of it yeah so secondhand doesn't necessarily always mean secondhand that it's been used and so that's something to also keep in mind that there are products out there that still have the tags on or that are still in their brand new inbox condition but just that people don't want them or have no use for them anymore
0: yeah true i I was going to make this point later but i think it's worth sort of bring it up now But there's a real social economic dynamic that secondhand shopping and the growth of thrifting has created in our culture. Uh, Just from even a humane standpoint, that wasn't really clear to me before, but it is now. But when you look at people in the middle or higher classes who are now... Um, heavily investing into thrifting whether it be a hobby you're an influencer on youtube and you're doing thrifting hauls and showing what um, showing people what you've bought meanwhile only using a fraction of of what you you've bought to so you can create content around it that's just one example of many or it's generally something you're passionate about even though you have an income level that says that you could easily or not easily but you can afford to buy things new but you prefer to buy secondhand for the points that you've made to this point. And I think they're really valid points. However, in that, you know, particularly for a lot of these conventional secondhand stores, which are set up as non-profits to support the local community, right? And have initiatives around that are held accountable to those missions and values. Meanwhile, we've got people who can afford more choosing to buy secondhand and choosing to get as many high-quality items as possible secondhand, to the point you've just made in terms of things even with tags on them, etc. At a cheaper price point, meanwhile, pricing out those who can only afford to buy at that price bracket. So, now all of a sudden, you've got effectively the rich taking supply away from the poor, which... Some people have argued is like a gentrification of consumerism and secondhand shopping. And um, I felt so selfish for not even being aware of that dynamic um, and that imbalance, I suppose. Because not only are we sometimes buying more than we need secondhand, but how bad is that knowing that every additional item you bought that you didn't need could genuinely serve somebody who needs it and would use it all the time? Mm. That to me is a huge issue. I find as we look at different classes participating in this and some people, some researchers have also noted that this behavior of thrifting and, and reselling, not just sec- uh, not just thrifting stores, but reselling on these marketplaces is starting to drive prices up a little bit too because mm. of this constant activity, these transactions that are happening is starting to drive prices up of second secondhand goods, which again is pricing out those people who really need it, right? So then they end up perhaps going to large convenience stores, you know, here in Australia. And I think it's these these names are um, abroad as well, but they end up going to your Target, your Kmart, your Big W's and, um, you know, buying things for a few pennies or do- a few dollars here and there, which if you look at that life cycle and how those products have got to the shelves, oh my God, we talk about, Unethical practices from environmental, from from a cruelty-free standpoint, and of course from a fair work standpoint. Then we're starting this whole other issue in that supply chain, you mm. know, because these people are priced out from even getting second-hand goods, because mm. because people who can afford it are just snatching up products, and and some people are even snatching up products and reselling them for more,
1: yeah, as
0: a business, which I'm sure you're going to bring up at some point as a as a as a win for secondhand mm-hmm. shopping, but you know. People creating a business out of this is still gentr- uh, gentrification and taking away opportunities from those who really need it. So, <sighs> I didn't want to bring out the big guns now, but um, <laughs> there it is.
1: I mean, there is though, it creates a business opportunity for the resellers. Yeah. Like people, in particular uni students and with COVID-19 and all of these things that are happening in the world today. Okay you know, it's it's a nice way for people to make extra money on the side to be able to pay for their food and rent. Yep. I wouldn't necessarily say that every thrift store out there, you know, doesn't have quality products in there. I think it's probably more so like the hotspots, yep. depending on where you are in the world. But I think it's still a positive thing to encourage people to buy secondhand rather than buying brand new because you don't want to be adding to so many, so many issues that we have in this world in terms of, you know, like it's definitely better for the planet, for the animals and for, for people. So I think if the quality is raised and people aren't buying as much fast fashion, but they're choosing to use that money in secondhand stores instead... And then maybe supporting local brands, like it's just being more of an ethical consumer.
0: But but my point still stands. I mean, if you're if you are buying things secondhand and taking away the opportunity for those who need the cheaper price point, but there then, still is a cheaper price talk, point. You talk, it's it, not like but you're, you're buying about everything. Fast, fast from. fashion is one thing. Cheap stuff at convenience stores is a completely different. That's like I could that is argue fast it's even fashion. yeah that is fast fashion, but it's not just fashion. It's just just cheap everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about toys, boots, furniture,
1: mm.
0: bicycles,
1: mm.
0: barbecues. I'm yeah. talking about everything. Yeah, it's cheap, right? Yeah, and if they are forced to go to those options, new,
1: but they don't. There will always be options. True, like. Yes, you might not score the nicest product, but there's still going to be options that are going to be much more in your price range than buying it brand new. Like talking about barbecues, for instance, a lot of people can't afford a brand new barbecue, but they might have to wait a few months to get one second hand. Yep, So... When you're talking about rich taking from the poor, I understand they might not have as much variety and nice quality products in there. But I think if we encouraged more people to donate or to sell products that they no longer need, then I think that's a positive thing. Like if we created this cycle of using what you need and moving on products that you don't need, rather than buy new, donate when you, you know, when you're over it. Because I think that that mentality of buying brand new and buying as much as you want can be applied to both scenarios. True, true, yep. So, um, I would rather someone buy things secondhand and not contribute to you know, environmental degradation and all of these other issues because it is a brand new product, then I'd rather than buying it by it second Yeah. And then again, donate those products once they're not, yep. if they don't use them. So I think it's just the mentality of the actual person when it comes down to it. But, you know, fashion, the fashion industry is the second biggest industry in the world. And it's also the second biggest Polluter in the world. Oh, so you're
0: talking about like in, like in second biggest industry for consumer goods, or
1: yeah, yeah, right, Yep. So, and the second, as I mentioned, the second-hand products decrease the demand for things like slave labor, for animal testing, for all of these things. Where also for animals to be used, mm. you know, to be, you know, a lot of people believe have the misconception that leather is the byproduct of the meat industry when it's totally untrue. Mm. Um, There's so many dyes that are used, especially in third world countries, that end up going into their rivers and waters that haven't been treated. Mm. And so marine life is dying. People don't have drinking water. There's an environmental journalist called Stephen Lay that mentioned that 85% of the needs in water of the entire population of India... Would be covered by the water used to grow uh, cotton in their country, and a hundred million people in India do not have access to clean water, right. to drinking water. So it's you know when you're buying second hand, you're stopping, you're reducing the demand for brand new garments to be made, for more resources to be used. Mm. You know they could be growing uh, food instead of crops mm. to make. Regardless if it's organic or not, you know, the amount of water that's needed to just make one garment or one pair of jeans is ridiculous. I don't have the numbers in front of me, Mm. but I have seen them before. So, just from a planet-saving point of view, Mm. you are still better off buying secondhand. Now, I will jump on your wagon for a second and sort of also say that, you know, a lot of products that are made out of not natural fibers you know the older they are the more of those fibers they release while they're being washed and end up you know the microplastics and all of that end up in our oceans but then what still happens to that t-shirt for instance if it's not being used anymore, it ends up in landfill anyway. So it's like kind of a very tricky situation to try and work out. Well, what's the better solution here?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, again, it's 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 not black and white, mm. you know. Um, and I think that's the whole point of this conversation is being able to take a step back and challenge even what your worldview or perception is until this point of either of the philosophies or both, and maybe understanding the impact. But yeah, I don't know. That's really intricate. I I wouldn't. I don't have too many ideas on how that is addressed. But I. I did just have a few couple uh, a couple last points. Do you have many points left?
1: Um, I have a couple.
0: Okay, so I um just want to bring it back to some of the fundamentals of shopping here, but uh, not to say that every new item that you purchase is guaranteed to perform or work or be what you expected. But generally speaking, the risk of getting a product that you're not happy with is mitigated by buying new. So, you know, for example, buying secondhand, I think whilst I haven't had a horror story, but I don't shop that much in general, you know, I have heard of people having poor experiences buying things, buying used items, whether they were scammed and misled completely by the seller. So like they buy something with expectation and realize that, or something wrong with it or like this is compromised condition so i know when we're doing research um one girl was talking about how like you know it's really ca- like when she's buying pants and jeans for example secondhand um you know on the surface they look like they're in great condition but over time she's found that particularly around the crotch area there's a lot of wear and tear and it's really thinned out so it was just a month or two away from, you know, creating a hole there, you know what I mean, that maybe she didn't anticipate when she bought the item. So, um, of course, that can be patched up, but this is something to keep in mind. You don't have those same concerns when buying brand new, for example. Also, you're, you've got the reassurance of being protected generally by some sort of warranty or consumer law or the government, some sort of consumer protection, uh, when you buy things brand new and sometimes these new products give you a guarantee which can give you even further confidence in the performance and longevity of what you're buying. So, and then lastly, I think on that note is that some people just generally have a preference to buy something new because they look after their things and they want to be able to look after it in the way that they want to rather than having to buy something in a, in a used condition even though there could be a really good condition secondhand, but, um, you know, but they say it all the time, like the moment you drive a car out of the showroom, it decreases in value, right? It's just not the same. Yeah. But meanwhile, there's a lot of secondhand products that go up in value, but the majority go down. So I think some people will take pride in wanting to look after their things and maintain that value and however they see fit. So um, those are just a couple fundamental points I wanted to make at the point of purchase, that you just—it's just—you can have a bit more confidence, rather than knowing, can I trust not? Can I trust my own judgment of the second-hand good, or can I trust this reseller? That's not going to scam me. Mm. that's going to give me a faulty product Mm. Um, that can be really scary for a lot of people yeah
1: it can but in saying that I think once you kind of get a bit experienced and you know what kind of questions to ask you know a lot of people these days also use PayPal to pay for goods because they are then protected through PayPal if something goes wrong which I noticed a lot of the time you know even when we were selling some camera gear a few months back I found that everyone wanted to pay through PayPal and I find that a bit annoying because PayPal does take a decent amount from that sale but you know it's a peace of mind for them and for me to know that if something goes wrong with the money side of things that I can chase it up through PayPal and they'll you know do something about it as well Sure, it's not as straightforward I imagine as it would be in a shop but again you pick your items like pick what you're going to buy brand new and what you are prepared to to buy second hand like we don't buy everything brand new and we also don't buy everything second hand we find a balance of where we feel like what is worth buying brand new because you either can't buy it second hand or there's no point like a notebook you need to buy brand new because no one donates notebooks really And I find that even with secondhand things, they might not be as in good of a condition as you need it to be to perform what you want it to perform at times. So I completely mm. like get get your points there. I did have an a, an extra couple of points, and one of them was that the thrifting and secondhand and reselling movements create a sense of community. Right, they do. Like even us moving to Tasmania. We were buying and selling, I mean, I was (laughs) (laughs) buying and selling a few things through, like, our local, uh, like, there's a website called Gumtree in Australia, which is secondhand goods mainly. And people can list their properties for rent and, you know, sell their cars and stuff on there as well, as well as Facebook Marketplace. And, you know, I've met people through that Mm. in itself and moving to a state where we actually don't know anyone that's a great way to I'm not saying like to encourage you to buy secondhand things just to meet people but you do end up you know you can meet some great people through that way as well.
0: Yeah, there's this peer to be peer to peer sort of interaction which yeah. is yeah, really a nice opportunity to if, if you're to,
1: picking up something locally not yeah. buying online but I do recall one interaction that we had when we were selling our bed frame back in Canberra where a gentleman came to pick it up. I think I listed it and it was sold within a couple of hours and he was really grateful, you know, like he needed it for, I think one of his children. Mm. And he pulled it apart himself because we're pretty useless when it comes to those things. And you know we actually got chatting and he was just really grateful that he was able to pick up a second-hand product so quickly so easily no fast, in great condition and pay like next to nothing compared to what that product would have been at the shops and i think it was one of those products that like is a standard in that particular department store so i think he was really pleased with buying that bed frame and we got to know a little bit about him as well. You know, he feels that a lot of the time when you're buying an item brand new, there's there's no point. So, he would rather buy and support, you know, other people that need to move things rather than buying it in the supermarket or yeah. in a department store.
0: Yeah, I remember. I remember within like 15 minutes in him picking up this bed frame all of a sudden we're having a conversation about values and minimalism and uh even like his political stance. Like it just escalated so quickly. Um and it all happened in such a short period of time, but it was a really great little interaction and it does give you that sense of community. So I can I can I can appreciate that point. I um I think this is my my last point is um <laughs> It's not a big deal, but it can be depending on, on um, you know, how you react. But um, now I'm t- talking about thrift stores again. Not reselling environments, but thrift stores. The a GM of a huge secondhand chain in the US came out and acknowledged that they don't wash the majority of their items and particularly clothing. And um, <laughs> this is interesting to me. And I'm not saying that this is necessarily the process in every thrift store but it it does exist and scientists have found that particularly in clothing the smell that you get from a secondhand store and we all know the smell that i'm talking about it just smells different (laughs) and it's not so super pleasant but that's because the researchers found that basically all of those chemicals are from our bodily fluids um, primarily sweat and other uh, bodily compounds that have been baked into a lot of these clothes, which then generate this smell. In addition to them, the clothes not being washed. So that creates a bit of a situation, right? Because all of a sudden it's like it can give you the heebie-jeebies just to even try something on, which may waste more time and keep you in that, can, that shopping mode longer, particularly if you're getting things that don't fit or are not suitable and you have to keep returning the item um, but also, it's just kind of a bit disgusting. I mean, uh, if I can just come out and say it, like I think it's just you need to be able to look past that. And I think a lot of people who are skilled at shopping secondhand and thrifting are, are able to look past that. And you know, know to always wash things when they bring them home, or uh, or wash things even before they donate. And I think that's a really important point to make: is that mm. you can show respect for the system um, if you can make sure your things are in a clean are clean before you take it down for donation as well Um, just to help create something that uh an environment that's more hygienic for everybody and it's more comfortable for everybody as well but i know that can be very off-putting for a lot of people to get into second-hand shopping is just that uh, the musky smell and knowing that a lot of the things are not washed so Mm. i
1: mean at the end of the day i think it just comes down to people respecting the process as you said and just washing it before they donate it and then people that buy it they wash it before they wear it you know so that's just the nature of buying something that's a used item yeah that you sometimes just can't avoid so yeah yeah cool um so yeah just to sort of put a bow on all of what we've been talking about i just kind of want to like i mentioned this before in terms of the mentality of people that buy brand new and secondhand if they have more of an ethical and mindful mindset that they wouldn't be over-purchasing regardless of the situation. Mm. So it really comes down to you as an individual as to how you want to shop and what you want to support. So if you want to support when you are buying brand new, if you want to support ethically made products that are vegan, cruelty-free, organic, fair work and all of those sorts of things... That's great. And then a lot of the time if you do need to buy something that is brand new that you're not too sure about, you know, the ethics behind it, maybe secondhand is the better option. And I know that we don't live in a perfect world where everybody does the right thing or that you can buy everything secondhand. Yeah, or have access. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for things like certain electrical goods, you know, you might need to buy new. Others not necessary you know like for us i know that a laptop would probably be useful to be new because we use them every day and it's an item that gets a lot of use so for the lifespan of the product like that brand new makes sense whereas for someone that hardly ever uses a laptop second hand that you know has just had a new hard drive or something put into it can be perfectly fine as well.
0: I, as someone that used to work in tech, I want to really give people the confidence that um, there are a lot of refurbished marketplaces. Like there are situations, uh, and I I can only talk about the example I know, but I know on on Apple's website, they have a dedicated refurbished online store. So what this means is that, you know, you've got a brand new computer, but, but they found that there's just one part, one single part, hard drive, memory card, something in there that's gone faulty. So what they've done is they've replaced this one part with a recycled part, uh, but everything is still basically brand new and it comes with its own set of warranty and protection all this stuff, and it's cheaper than what you would get brand new. So even for creators like ourselves who really value technology and use it every day for what we need to do, there's actually not really a justifiable dip in performance And I think it's interesting that, and it reminds me a lot of the baby boomer generation, there's just some things that they wouldn't buy secondhand, Mm. you know, because of the points I made before about having a peace of mind that it will perform. But I think we also, an argument for secondhand is we probably need to challenge ourselves a little bit more to understand and be educated about what a a resold item, how that might actually perform. Because it may perform just as well, as if you were to buy something new and it's not only more economical but it's just you know it 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 just you're supporting a movement of being comfortable using things that are are refurbished or recycled and i think that's a really important mentality to challenge people on it's like you know it's you you can look at these opportunities across everything you own Mm. If you do enough research,
1: mm. yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think even um, something I wanted to bring up earlier that's kind of a bit left field now, but talking about, for instance, having clothing that you don't necessarily, let's say, like the cut of a piece, like a top, for instance, mm. I think it would be better for the environment and for you because you are the one with the control of what happens with that item. As soon as you donate it, who knows what's going to happen to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, and even if you do sell it to someone, who knows if that person, like what they're going to do with it. So that particular item, find yourself a good tailor and get it altered. My mum has created a whole new wardrobe based on clothing that she's had for 20 plus years that she no longer wore because it was either not her style anymore, it didn't fit her well, She found herself a really good tailor that was able to create completely new pieces that you wouldn't recognize if you saw them beforehand. Mm. And she absolutely loves everything because those pieces have a meaning to her, but she's able to keep them and wear them now again for a much longer period because she's had them altered in a way that suits her lifestyle and her needs now. So, you know, she even wore a dress to our wedding that was redone from a piece, you know, like, and also fabrics. When you're looking at specific fabrics, she said, I would never be able to find a fabric like this now where it was handmade specifically for me when, Mm. you know, I was in my early 20s or something. And when we were younger as kids as well. So I think that's something to also keep in mind when it comes to products. Or if something breaks, go and get it fixed, you know, like go. There's a few different places around. They're called like repair cafes and we've talked about this before, but I'm just trying to like help people shift their perspective of if something's not working, if it's ripped, if it's broken. I mean, some things are beyond repair, Mm. but still some people might be able to use certain parts of that item Mm. to fix their item.
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: You know, so I think it's important to adapt that mentality as much as you can rather than sending something to landfill or just sending it off. If you still have a purpose for it, try and work at how you can use it again. Mm. And there's, you know, besides my mum, I've done that with quite a few pieces myself where I've had them altered to be able to suit my needs right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, or something that I might have bought, that I didn't try on online that isn't quite like it doesn't quite suit me I'll alter it to suit me yeah so yes you spend a little bit of money on getting that altered but then you're really happy with the results yeah
0: yeah I I think that's an excellent point and I think my my parting words would be there's an argument you know even if you don't consider yourself a minimalist I think if you are buying from a thrift store I hope you're able to you know, remember the potential impact you might have on your, others in your community. Yeah. So, I think this sense of fairness mm. is something that we can all practice by only consuming what we need. Yeah. Right? And really think of, really, yeah. at the
1: point of purchase, will I actually wear this? Because I think sometimes when you see something that's super cheap, you buy it in the spare of the moment. And then yeah. you bring it home and you go, oh, why did I buy that sequined dress, you know?
0: Yeah exactly right you got to think about will you really use this item you know fashion or not like will you use it because if i don't then i'm really just taking away opportunities from those who would so i think that's um again a a mentality that extends beyond yourself Mm. Uh, not just the clutter not just the clutter you may create in your own world but you know you are literally can could be taking opportunity away from somebody um that will make their year so um, anyway, good conversation Yes Gee uh, We've got a blog post on this topic uh, Which we'll link to at the show notes At the minimalistvegan.com Slash oh, 038 058 Sorry minimalistvegan.com Slash 058 As well as all of the interesting videos And articles and things that we found along the way For preparation for this conversation um, I think I'll definitely need to probably update a few points in that article as well to reflect this conversation and some of the new things that we've found. But yeah, I think, you know, this is, this is something that affects our everyday lives. So mm-hmm. we thought it was really important to raise it. And again, we're not sitting on one side or the other, but we wanted to passionately sort of talk about both perspectives. So we can, you know, hopefully you will feel inspired to ask yourself some different questions as well uh, at the moment of purchase. So uh, thank you as always for tuning in. And uh, I think we'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks.
1: Yes. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great week. Stay safe. Okay. Bye.
0: Bye.